Well, good morning, Cedar Creek Church. How are y'all doing this morning? It is so great to see y'all here at the Ridge. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Garrett Armstrong, and I am the Center Point Director here, as well as the Worship Director. And may I say, welcome to church. It is so great to see each and every one of you. Can I just start off today just by saying, how crazy have the last two weeks been for us, but like in the best way possible. On November 10th, we got to celebrate 10 years as a church plant of Cedar Creek Church. Amen. God has just been doing so many amazing things in this church, and it's just been such a joy to watch some of those things unfold. And then last week, we even had baptism at all three of our campuses, and that also was a blessing. Unfortunately, uh, my wife Lee and I were not able to be here last week. On Monday, we, we lost um, a family member. Our Aunt Carrie died at the age of 51 unexpectedly, and it was... Um, it was a hard week. It was, a, it was a very, very hard week. And I thank you for, for all the prayers that, that y'all showered on, on Leah and I. Uh, we could not have made it through the week without knowing that our church here, our church, our home church was praying for us um, during this time of loss. But throughout the funeral ceremony and throughout the week, God has just really been challenging me. And uh, he was really challenging me through a certain passage. And this passage comes from James 4, 13 through 14. And it's going to be at the top of your outline. And it says this, look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Well, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it is gone. And this hit me really hard. It hit me hard during the funeral service. It hit me hard this entire week because God has been challenging me. He's been challenging me to remember how big of a God he is. And he's been floating this, this question in my mind, if I am a big God, if I am a big God, then what do you think your response should be? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how big of a God he truly is. And I think we hear that all the time and we're like, okay, I get it. God is a big God. But sometimes I don't think we, we really grasp it. I don't think we grasp the magnitude of God. And it's because I don't think we know exactly who God is and some of the qualities that he possesses. So that's what I want to talk about this morning. So I'm going to start with number one on your outline. It is this, God is infinite. God is infinite. Infinite meaning self-existing, without origin, eternal. 
In Colossians 1.17, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In fact, one of the names that we give God, Jehovah, even means self-existing. And I don't think we truly grasp what this phrase self-existing means. I think we understand that generally, you know, we know that he didn't have a beginning and we know that he won't have an end. But I think we have trouble really grasping that concept because we are finite. You know, us as human beings, we don't live forever. In fact, the average lifespan of a human uh, right now is about 79 years. And we look, and when we look at that 79 years and we compare it to just the length of humanity and how long humans have been on this earth, 79 is so minuscule. It's almost nothing. And then in comparison to God's eternity, it really is so small and insignificant. The way I like to think about it is like this. I like to think about it like a marathon, but never training for a marathon. Like it would be me trying to run a marathon without preparing for it. And guys, I'm a terrible runner. Like I absolutely despise running. But say I just wanted to run a marathon one day and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. No training. I've got this. So I start, I start off, you know, everyone goes, whoo, about a mile in. I'm already, whoo, breathing really hard. And man, I am, I am already sweating bullets. Guys, uh, I could barely run a mile, right? So I get to about mile two, and I've got, I've got cramps everywhere, and I can barely do anything, right? Because I didn't train because I'm dumb, you know? But uh, mile three comes around, and I'm literally crawling on the ground because I am just done. By mile three out of a marathon, y'all. And then all of a sudden, while I'm crawling on the ground and hating my life and hating my decisions... This guy just is whizzing by, man. I mean, he's just getting it. No sweat on him. He is just doing great. And this guy just keeps going and keeps going. He hits the marathon mark and he says, you know what? No, that's not good enough. And he keeps going. He hits 100K and he says, nope, not even close. He goes to 200K, then 300, 400, and he just keeps going and going while I'm still on mile four trying not to puke, you know? That is God. God is so big. God is a huge God. He is an infinite God. And sometimes I think that we try to think him down to our level and put a cap on him, but that doesn't really work. In fact, I love what A.W. Tozer writes. Uh, He writes, to admit that there is one who lies beyond us, who exists outside of our categories, who will not be dismissed with a name, who will not appear before the bar of our reason, nor submit to our curious inquiries. This requires a great deal of humility, more than most of us possesses. So we save face by thinking God down to our level, or at least down to where we can manage him. And guys, when we do that, When we think God down to our level, that doesn't truly represent God because God can't 
be held. He can't be held down. He can't be strapped down. He is. He operates on an entirely different level than we do. And when we bring God down to our level, we are not giving him the full credit of who he is because he is an infinite God. He is a big God. The second quality of God's I want to tackle this morning is God is immutable. I'm going to say that one more time because uh, I don't think this is a word that we use too often. God is immutable and that means he never changes. In Malachi 3.6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. I feel like this is a quality of God's that we, that we take for granted a lot of the times. And, and the reason I say that is because I was thinking about it while preparing for this message. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if God, you know, did decide to change his mind. What happens if he said, you know what? You know my son Jesus? You know, yeah, you know that guy, the one that did stuff for you, you know, died on the cross, you know, you've got the picture, right? Well, all right, I've decided like that doesn't count anymore. Um, we're just going to pretend like he didn't ever come. You know, that would be so crazy. I mean, that would change everything. If God decided he wanted to do that stuff, what would, what would our lives really be about? But that's not the case. God never changes. His promises never change. And his qualities, his being never changes. Because he is a dependable God. I like to think about it like this. You, who, who's ever watched the show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Anybody? Anybody? Amen. I used to absolutely love that show when I was younger. I used to sit down every afternoon, and man, my eyes were just glued to the TV. But the reason I loved the show so much is because I knew what was going to happen. Like, I knew exactly what I was getting when I was watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Like, you know what I mean. So, you know, the main, the music would start, the title of the show would come up, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and then the music would get louder, and it would get louder, and then all of a sudden it would pan to, we're in the inside of the house, and we pan to a front door, and then that front door opens, and then we see Mr. Rogers, and you know exactly what he does next? That's right, he goes into his song, he says, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Right? And he sings the song and he keeps singing. And as he's singing, he's walking over to his closet, you know, and he opens up the closet. He takes off his sports coat, puts it in there. He puts on his ever red cardigan. He slams it on and then he continues singing. It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Right? So, you know, and the song keeps going, but then you know exactly what you're getting with Mr. Rogers. I mean, he was just such a captivating guy. I mean, when I was younger, I could sit there and watch, and you'd be like, all right, today, kids, we're going to learn how to tie a knot. 
how do you tie a knot? I am extremely curious, but I was serious. Like I was really intrigued and it was because Mr. Rogers to me was such a dependable guy. I could always depend on seeing his smiling face and I would always go into that show knowing that I was his best friend. And guys, that's who God is. God is a dependable God. God is a God who is always going to be there because he is an immutable God. He is a big God. The next quality I want to tackle today is God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. Man, we are learning some words this morning. Omni meaning all and potent meaning powerful. And Psalms 33, 6 says this, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. That is powerful. Can I just read that one more time? The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and the stars were born. That's crazy power, guys. I don't think you understand how powerful that is. It's kind of frightening. I mean, if you look at the way that John describes the throne room and his vision, I mean, he describes God as this person that's made out of, you know, just the finest like diamonds and stuff ever. And he's super bright. You can barely look at him. And then he has like lightning shooting off of his throne. If I would have seen that, I would have peed my pants, y'all. Yeah, I, I really would have. That's scary. I don't, I mean, wouldn't you pee your pants if you saw that? That's crazy. That is power. And the, one of the ways I, I like to think about how powerful God is, is uh, I like to think of like Thanos and like wielding his infinity gauntlet. I know Marvel, huge, right? But like instead of like one Thanos, picture like a hundred Thanoses and then like a hundred infinity gauntlets and like imagine that kind of power and like that's the power that God holds in his hands. I mean, that is just insane. I mean, look what it says um, in Ephesians 3.20. Paul basically says, uh, Paul says this, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine. I mean, look at the universe that we live in. Uh, well, not even just the universe. Look at our galaxy. I mean, we are millions of light years or thousands of light years away from our sun. And if you don't know what a light year is, a light year is like thousands of kilometers, right? And then it truly is our galaxy I mean, if you look and you, you look at pictures from the Hubble telescope and you look at pictures of, of our galaxy from as far out as they can go, you're going to see just groups of galaxies, not groups of planets, guys, groups of entire galaxies spanning millions of light years, millions and trillions of light years. There's, if you look at that picture, there's probably more than 350 billion galaxies that is crazy power. That is an omnipotent God. That is a big God. The fourth quality I want to tackle today is this. God is omniscient. God is omniscient, meaning 
all knowing. In Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, it says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what still is to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I Please. I love this statement in the middle of this passage. It says, I make known, because I want to tell you something about God this morning. God is not a discoverer, He is a maker. Is that not a crazy thought? God is not a discoverer, but He is a maker. When I think of all the knowledge in the universe, uh, my mind honestly goes to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, all right, I know it's not the best of the Indiana Jones movies. All right, it's the worst. But it's still, I had to go see it, you know, and I had to buy it because it's Indiana Jones. You know, I had to complete the series, right? But if, you know, you remember the main antagonist there, her entire goal is to get this this crystal skull so she can unlock all the knowledge in the universe. And at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, by the way, at the end of the movie, she gets what she wants. She starts receiving all the knowledge in the universe. And do you remember what happens? She basically explodes. It just like vanishes because it's too much for her to handle. And imagine that right there, all that knowledge, God holds it all. But guys, this is a comforting fact because we can trust that God knows what's going on in our lives today, what's going on in our lives tomorrow, and in, in whatever is to come. God's got it. God is never going to place more on us than we can handle. God knows what's going to happen 10 minutes from now, God knows what's going to happen 10 hours from now. He knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. That is crazy. That is an all-knowing God. That is a big God. The last quality of gods that I want to talk about this morning is God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. That means ever present. In Psalm 139, 7 through 10, it says this, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and shield the netherworld, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me and your right hand will take hold of me. Think about it this way, guys. God is closer than our thoughts. Can you believe that? God is closer than our thoughts. And that's a weird thing to process. Because even as I speak right now, I could have about three or four different things going on in my head, right? And as you're sitting here and as you're listening to me speak this morning, you may have three or four things that are going on in your head as well. But God is closer than that. And one of the ways that he is closer is because of his spirit. Look at Romans 8, 11. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Guys, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells in us. That is a crazy, crazy thought that we always have him with us and that he will always be in us. For me, though, it's not like a super crazy thought because I'm an identical twin, if you didn't know that already. Uh, my, my identical twin, Gavin, um, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, born with him or whatnot. Well, I mean, not technically. I was a minute older. Whoop, whoop, I won. Um, but I've always grown up with somebody there beside me. You know, uh, through elementary school, middle school, high school. I mean, even in college, we were roommates together. We did everything together. You know, we weren't the the kind of twins that hated each other. We actually enjoyed each other's company. And I mean, he was my built-in best friend. That's what I called him. You know, he's a person that, you know, no matter what, he was stuck with me and I was stuck with him. Even when he annoyed me to no end, even when he made me angry or even when I annoyed him or if I made him angry, you know, at the end of the day, we were still brothers and we were still going to be fine with each other. I mean, literally we could get in fist fights and I mean actual fist fights, which really did happen when we were younger. I could get in a fist fight with this guy and five minutes later, we're like, dude, you want some ice cream? I kind of want some ice cream. We'd be like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. And then we'd go get the ice cream. Like, you know, we could do anything to each other and be totally fine with one another. And then and the same thing goes for God. When we don't feel like God is there, when we don't feel like God is answering our prayers, maybe we're in debt. And maybe we're just praying, we're like, God, can you just wipe away this debt? Can you help me just pay off this debt. Can you just, Lord, just be with me, guide me, and protect me? And when we feel like he's not answering that prayer, we feel like he's not there, and we feel like he's distant, but that's not true. God is always with us. God is always going to be there, because he is an infinite God. Because he is an immutable God. He is an omnipotent God. He is an omniscient God. He is an omnipresent God. He is a big God. And here comes the challenge I was talking about at the beginning of the service. If God is this big God, if he is all of these things, as well as Father, Protector, the king of all kings, the one who was and is to come. If he is all of these things, then why do we only give him an hour every Sunday? If God is all of these things, then why do we only pray for five minutes every once in a while? If God is all of these things, if our big God is all of these things, then why do we always put him second? If God is all of these things, then what truly should be our response? And our response 
should be this worship. Worship. And when I say that, I already know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, worship is just what we do on Sunday morning, you know? We come in, we sing a little bit of songs, and we have a little bit of message, and then we pray a little bit, and then that's worship, and we're done. No, that's not it. I mean, that is a part of it, and those are all good things. Lifting up the Lord through music and praising His wonderful name, that is a good thing. Learning about God is a good thing thing. Prayer is a good thing, but worship is so much more than that. Worship is also reading your Bible. Worship is praying outside of church every day, twice a day, three times a day. Also, worship can be defined as this, and this is in Romans 12, 1 through 2, and this actually comes out of the Message Bible, and it's one of my favorite interpretations of this passage, and it says this, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. That is worship, guys. Worship isn't just reading your Bible. It isn't just praying. It's also taking your everyday life. It's taking when you go to work, when you go to sleep, when you interact with family and friends. We are always supposed to be the image bearers of God. We are supposed to be like Christ. We are supposed to be a good example for others. In Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, its purpose, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and walked on by people when the walkways are wet and slippery. You are the light of Christ to the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence, and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In everything that we do, in everything that we do, we can give praise to God. I mean, think about it this way. What are the two greatest commandments, right? The one is this, love your Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this, right? Love your neighbor as yourself and your neighbor is anybody that you come in contact with. Guys, that's also worship. Loving God and loving people around you is worship. In fact, I I, I was reading this book, Crazy Love by Francis Chan, 
this past week and, and there was this story that I, I want to share with you. And if you haven't read this book before, I highly recommend it. But there's this story of a girl who I think is the embodiment of what worship is. Her name is Brooke Bronkowski. And ever since she was a little girl, she loved people and she loved the Lord well. In fact, whenever she would get money, she would save it up to buy Bibles. And then she would host a Bible study with a bunch of her friends and give her friends that didn't have a Bible a Bible. And she lived her life like this for a long time. In fact, I just want to give you a little glimpse into her life. So I'm going to read an essay that she wrote. It's entitled, Since I Have My Life Before Me by Brooke Bronkowski. And it says this, I'll live my life to the fullest. I'll be happy. I'll brighten up. I will be more joyful than I have ever been. I will be kind to others. I will loosen up. I will tell others about Christ. I will go on adventures and change the world. I will be bold and not change who I really am. I will have no troubles, but instead help others with their troubles. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. Oh, I'll have moments, good and bad, but I will wipe away the bad and only remember the good. In fact, that's all I remember, just good moments, nothing in between. Just living my life to the fullest. I'll be one of those people who go somewhere with a mission, an awesome plan, a world-changing plan, and nothing will hold me back. I'll set an example for others, and I will pray for direction. I have my life before me. I will give others the joy I have, and God will give me more joy. I will do everything God tells me to do. I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. That is worship. And when Brooke entered the ninth grade, she had a tragic accident while coming from school and she passed away. And at her funeral, Hundreds of people came, hundreds of students, hundreds of her classmates came because of the love that she showed others. Because of the way she worshipped, people showed up. And people just didn't show up though. At the end of the service, they had asked people to pray a simple prayer and ask Jesus into their heart. And you want to know what happened? 200, let me say that one more time, 200 of her classmates got saved that day. Can you believe that? 200 people got saved because of the way this girl worshipped, because she lived her life every day for Christ, because every day she loved God and she loved people. Because of her, 200 people now know Christ. That is a big God. That is worship. And I just want to ask you, Are you worshiping like that? 
Are you putting God in his rightful place at number one? Are you loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? As we pray, I just want you to digest what you just heard. I want you to look at your worship life. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I worshiping God the way he should be worshiped? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we just, we thank you this morning just for who you are, Lord. Just for being a big God. Lord, you truly are all-knowing. You truly are eternal. You truly are all-powerful. Lord, speak to us. Lord, intervene in our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that we can just turn our, our eyes to you. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts to you this morning. We love you. And we praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.